Welcome to Sex Communication, a project aimed at changing how people talk about sex. It features audio recordings of sex acts, extremely frank conversations, and many confessionals. Please note that our content is explicit and uncensored. And while these episodes may indeed arouse you, the intent is to inform and inspire. Join us now for a judgment and shame-free exploration of sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Welcome to episode 47. Today I'm sharing with you an interview with Billy Presida. Some of you may be familiar with him. He is both a stand-up comic and the host of the Man Whore podcast. Um, so yeah, this was kind of an interesting interview. <laughs> it's the first time I've had a chance to speak with somebody, um, for the show that has their own show and in the same space. Um, so yeah, we talk about, you know, the experiences that led to him beginning his, his project, um, what it's been like having the project and how that affects his life. Um, but we also really dive into non-monogamy and evolving sexuality and also specifically his experience as a man struggling with dating and body issues, body issues and relationship struggles are generally problems attributed to women. Um, so we do get into a bit about, uh, kind of the nonsense of that being a gendered issue and how it's really a shared experience. And then we get into porn because, of course. Um, after the interview, I shared details about how one of our topics of discussion actually inspired a new project for Graphic Paint. But first, here's that interview. Enjoy. So, hello, Billy. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Do you uh, want to take a minute and introduce yourself? Yeah, hey there. My name is Billy Presida. I'm a stand-up comedian in New York City, and I host a show called The Man Whore Podcast, where uh, I've been doing that for a little over five years, talking to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, ugh, and why we didn't work out. Aha. So I, I did look at your website, and your um, website says that it, it describes the podcast as a sex-positive quest for love. So I just thought I'd start by asking you, um, how is that going for you? You know, having sex is the facilitator is your quest for love. Is that working? Well, I wouldn't say that the, the having sex was supposed to be the facilitation to find love. It's just, so I started the podcast, um, you know, over five years ago because I had this weird problem where, you know, women would sleep with me, but they wouldn't date me. Hmm. And I wanted to find out why because this happened. I mean, granted, I was 24, so maybe I, uh, I was jumping the gun and a little impatient, but it would happen all the time. Anytime I got the feels for someone and I want to get more serious or say escalate the relationship, uh, the woman always told me she just wanted to keep it casual. Hmm. So when it happened for this, like the umpteenth time is I, I, I met this woman on, I think it was like Tinder. And uh, we went on this like first date. Sparks were insane. We were both mutually going, oh, wow, this is strong. This is wild. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we had a couple dates. They were great. And then I went to my, uh, my therapist and I, and I had already been kicking around the idea of like doing something serialized with past partners because I realized that at 23, 24, I'd already been like pretty active and doing Craigslisty group sex stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least more so than like your average person. I mean, you know, some women used to call me a man whore when we would date. And, uh, and so I told my therapist, I was like, yeah, you know, if this one doesn't work out, I'll do that, that fucking podcast I've been talking about. <laughs> and then the woman went up like for Thanksgiving to, you know, upstate to her family, ran to the ex-boyfriend, had to give me a call and say, Hey, 
ran to my ex and we're going to give it another try. So that hurts. That I went hurts. back to, went back to my shrink and I was all, I told her what happened. And the first words out of her mouth were, so you're going to do that podcast. Right. And I was like, <laughs> fuck. Uh, okay. I guess so. So, I mean, is there an average for how many times you have sex with somebody before they kind of put the brakes on whatever is going on between you two? Well, it wasn't that they'd be putting the brakes on it. That would almost be more normal <clears throat> when one person, uh, you know, expresses that they have, you know, they're getting emotionally into it, want romance or whatever, and the other side doesn't. Typically, that's expressed and it ends. But, you know, these women would say, no, 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 we're going to just keep doing We're going to keep it cash and you're still going to come over and do that thing with your tongue that I like. And it was like, okay, uh, fine. Okay. <laughs> so it seems a likely assumption that, you know, you're good at the sex thing, but maybe your personality is getting in the way. What do you, th what do you think it is that makes you bad at dating or makes somebody not want to continue with you romantically? Well, what I've been learning is that it wasn't, you know, not like I'm some sort of perfect partner dating person and I was doing, you know, but the idea was just like, Oh, I should have just like chilled out because most of the time, like most of these women, it was like, yeah, I wasn't feeling it or it was the wrong time. Mm -hmm. You know, I would, I would meet a lot of women who just got out of a serious relationship or they were dating a few different guys and they ended up getting monogamous with just a different one of them or they are about to go to grad school or move. Like I just had really bad timing, mm -hmm. but like, you know, it wasn't like there's a, there's this magic bullet answer and it wasn't like I'm a monster to date. <laughs> you know, the, these women were like, no, it's not like you were like terrible, um, you know, but just it wasn't for me. And I, you know, I was 24 and I think it was more like, oh, I thought that this was perpetuated and I thought it was me. And maybe it was more like, oh, no, this is just a very common experience in dating. I see. Do you identify as straight? What, what would be the label that you would use to define your own orientation? Yeah, I guess straight, uh, you know that there's there's some trans women who make me need to journal now so i'm figuring it all out but uh yeah i don't, I don't like the term heteroflexible i think it's uh i think it's wishy-washy and non-committal mm. um it's like because uh you know some things are or are not um but yeah no I, I identify as straight for now i identify as coming out as something else in the next five years i think that's probably more accurate. <laughs> fair enough so i'm i'm also curious because I feel like if you were a straight woman and we were having this conversation and you were describing this history of, you know, you're having sex with people, you get feelings, you're interested in pursuing something more and their, you know, their response is, I'd prefer to keep this casual. Um, you know, for a woman that would be like, oh, well, you know, he's just not that into you. It's very much like you're presenting yourself as somebody that's not uh, like worthy of a relationship. Do you encounter the same thing being a, a straight man, essentially? Is that, do you get the same response for your, from your male friends or your female friends? Like what's the, the, the perception around you? Well, it is seen as like a quote unquote, quote, like chick problem. If you tell like your mainstream average person, it'd be like, Oh yeah, that's like what happens to women. Cause like women want relationships and guys want to just get it in. Yeah. And it was kind of like this like stereotypical gender role reversal. And, and I have since starting the show, like I've learned that there are other dudes who feel this way, yeah. who've had this happen. Yeah. And because there are, it's, it's almost as if, uh, 
men and women don't have to prescribe to whatever gender norms that are out there. It's almost as if we can be our own people. So I, I get, I, I think that's actually why a lot of women will do enjoy the podcast and, and connect with me because they hear a lot of the similar struggles um, that they have in dating where maybe they want something serious or, and, and the other guy or girl doesn't, or, or they identify with the guests and that, they do just want to have some fun and date around um, or, you know, they or both because like we go through different periods of what we want in our lives. Yeah. Like I go through periods of time where I don't have time or the bandwidth for something serious or I just don't really seem to want that. And then I have other times where I'm, I really just want those lovey-dovey feels and I really want to find someone that's more consistent. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So what's the longest relationship you've ever had? 22 months. Well, that's pretty good. Was that, how long ago was that? That was from like the end of, that was like the end of 2015 until mid-September of 2017. And what year did you start the podcast? Was it around then? I I started planning it uh, at the end of 2013, and I launched in April of 2014. I see. So, so I'd already been doing the show when I met that ex. Uh, we met at a sex party because, of course, I did. <laughs> so, just back up. When you were younger, so what age did you have sex? First of all, we'll started start when I was 18, mm. and then I pretty soon after had a monogamous girlfriend for freshman year of college. Okay, so early on, you had better luck at relationships, maybe. Uh, well, that was the only girlfriend. Basically, before I lost my virginity, like girls were almost not an option. I just like they. I had no self confidence, no self worth, no self love. Like I was in the pits. I got bullied. I had barely any. I, did, I had no friends until like high school, kind of, and then even then it was sparse. Um, I did not. I wrote a lot of love poems, but not a lot of women. Uh, it's like the thing where someone would be like would get a poem for me and then they show their friend and I went to a boarding school. And so then the friend, she'd come up to me at breakfast and say, Billy, your words took my breath away. I was like, Oh wow. Is she going to be interesting? And she was like, Oh no, not a chance, but like, you're a good writer. Uh, I was like, Oh, thank you. Um, so no, I like, no, I really didn't have a lot of experience or so very minimal, um, foolings around uh, before I got to college. And then I did have this one girlfriend for 14 months, but then after her, I would like, I would casually hook up with people, but seriously, like we'd be casually, the, the relationship would technically be casual on paper, mm -hmm. but we'd be staying up till 3am talking. We'd be sharing deep things. So it, I, I've been told I'm very boyfriendy mm -hmm. when I hooked up, even, even now, sometimes depending on that sexual connection, but especially when I was younger, like I'm very boyfriendy when I am just hooking up. Uh, and for some women, that would be part of the turn off. Right. And for some women, they actually liked it because they could they can eat, get their cake and eat it, too. Or more like, you know, have their cake and make me eat theirs, however you want to look at it. Uh, and it was like, yeah, I can get these like the safety and security of like the cuddles and the boyfriend stuff. But like none of the commitment hmm. which I do think was part of the issue is um, I was giving a lot and not demanding what I wanted um, as much. Yeah, and then, but but since that first girlfriend, like there was this huge. I didn't have another girlfriend until the one I, I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, yeah, and it made me feel like, oh shit, like am I just not lovable, <clears throat> or am I too slutty? Because some women would make note of like the because I was like open before I'd ever read about like ethical non-monogamy communication. Like 
I would be open about things or if they would ask like, what did you do? I'd be like, I did go on a date. Like I wouldn't pretend I was just hanging with my friends. And cause I'd be like, everyone should be on the same page. And so sometimes they'd be like, call me a man whore. Like I didn't give myself that title. Um, that was a title, like almost in a derogatory way given to me. I see. Um, so yeah, it, 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 I'm, I'm happy that I've been able, to, been able to date and find relationships more recently, but it definitely took a while. Well, I was going to ask you if you thought that all of your troubles right now are kind of the product of being in what a lot of people define as like the hookup culture. Like that's just kind of where we are as, you know, a society right now. Do you agree with that? No, I think it just depends on where you like what environments you're putting yourself in. Uh, and I also think it has to do with the culture at large and where you are like geographically. Yeah. If you are in the Bible Belt, dating is going to be very different than in New York City than it is in um, Tampa than it is in San Francisco. So it just it kind of just depends on a lot of factors. Also yeah. depends on like you. <clears throat> I mean, Jesus, I so on the side for, from time to time, I host speed dating events and I hosted an event, I think it was a couple years ago for, it was singles who were 40 to like in their forties and fifties. Yeah. And here in New York city, liberal bastion, New York city, this woman comes up to me afterwards, like just, just frustrated. And this happens a bit. Sometimes a woman will come up to me, um, the, you know, say like, Oh, they weren't super into a lot of the guys that showed up or they're just having trouble dating. Uh, I tend to invite people strangers opening up to me so i'm like sure and she, she says like i'm trying to find <clears throat> i'm having trouble dating she's probably in her mid to late 40s and she's still single and she said i just ha you know i just have some requirements like he needs to have a job i'm like okay that's fair <laughs> um needs to be attracted to him and i was like okay and then said this one's important i'm conservative and he needs to be conservative too <laughs> now in New York City, that's hard. when you meet, even when you meet a conservative, usually it's like, fisc like I'm fiscally conservative, but the gays do what you got to do, <laughs> right? And she, I was like, so I go like, you mean like fiscally conservative? She said, no, here's an example. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in a bathroom with some trans whatever. And I was like, ooh, bitch, this is why you're still single in New York City. Like, yeah. Like as much as I don't want her to find love, I do not like it when hateful people find love and are and happiness. If you're gonna be like hateful against trans people, it's gonna be harder to find the person who also hates trans people with you in New York City. Right. Like you need this woman needs to move. She needs to move <laughs> to a more hateful part of the country. I can give her an election map, and that might give her some ideas. Um, but like this is not the place for her. it's gonna be. And and this is funny. So I did. A week, uh, no, it was like a month later, I did a gig. It was like a panel show for a live podcast, not mine. And it's a it's a panel show about dating, and it, it appeals to a lot, like a more mainstream crowd. I appeal more to like the sex positive, liberal, progressive side of things. This one's a little bit more kind of any big umbrella uh, for singles. And I get to the venue early, and the first woman in the door, sitting by herself at the bar, <laughs> that hateful bitch. Uh, and in my head, I'm just like, mm, yeah, I can see that this is a struggle for you. Yeah. And I know all the answers, but you seem to not want to accept them. <laughs> like, I know the answers for why this woman's still single, and she she will not accept that the answer is move. <laughs> Has anyone like, tried to tell you that they know the answers about why you're single, though? 
Uh, not too many people have tried. I mean, the only people who claim to have the answers are people who are not like experts and who, who don't work in the field of dating and relationships or sexuality. Hmm. And they also kind of come at it from a bit more of a sex negative or monogamous mindset. Um, they might, these would be the, they're the only people who insist on giving me their advice because the people (laughs) who actually can help don't insist on giving that advice because they also realize that people are individuals and they don't work with too many generalizations, um, about the genders and blah, blah, blah. Um, like I don't generalize about entire genders. I'll generalize about a gender. If you have a particular mindset about things and you're this gender, now here's my generalization, but it's not just because someone's a man or woman. It's like, well, you're a man or woman in this part of the country with these set of beliefs. And therefore, yeah. Um, so just like this woman's like, she's not single for X, Y, or Z reason, just because she's a woman in her late forties in New York. She's single because she is like a socially conservative woman in one of the biggest liberal bastion cities in the country. Um, and people tend to be turned off in this city by hateful people. Yeah. So I, you did mention non-monogamy and it seems like depending on where your dating pool is, that might be a contributing factor. But um, do you think that that might be the case? Are you looking for people to date being very upfront that this is what you're looking for, that you're into a more open relationship? Or I don't know if you want to define it as polyamory. It does seem like a part of that. But, you know, for you, like, what is your feeling about that? Where are you looking for partners? Well, also, I'm also in a very different place now. I, I just turned 30 uh, than I was when I was 23 and 24, frustrated, uh, you know, with where I was in dating. So also back then, I did not have the vocabulary to express how I felt about dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. So back then, like, I didn't know the, these, like, poly words or I didn't know, like, the phrase ethical non-monogamy uh, as well. Like, I didn't know a lot of this stuff. And... It may or may not have been an issue then, but also because I didn't know how to date as a non-monogamous person. Now it's like, it's in my bio on Tinder. Hmm. Um, I, when I meet, like, also because I'm a public person, it's just, I'm just naturally going to run into people who either are on board or they know not to get romantically serious. Like, I'll hook up with some people who we would never date because they're monogamous, but like, casual sex with them is fine, which is great. Cause like that, and that's the appropriate connection for us. Um, it, it doesn't mean that like neither of us are bad at dating. It just means we're not great for dating each other, but Oh, maybe we're good at being friends or maybe we're good at like fucking for a bit or something. Um, or maybe we're good at just like making out in a bar one time and that's it. it so I don't find it as difficult. Um, no more difficult than any other sort of, firm deal breaker or whatever. Um, because like if someone matches me on Tinder or Bumble and like instantly unmatches me, usually it's because they, they read my bio and saw, Oh, he's not monogamous. So done. Um, also right now I'm not looking for something romantic. I just at this exact moment in time, I find myself pretty busy with my work. Um, I have a lot of really awesome things I'm working on. I've I've been uh, producing like uh, these live podcasts outside of New York. I have my annual man whore con coming up in August. So I'm just like, really, I got my mindset on that. So right now I don't have the bandwidth to date someone seriously, yeah. but that may change as well. So 
I'm also better at recognizing what it is I need and or want and how to communicate that with people I meet in the world. So how did you come to a place where you learned or discovered about yourself or decided to identify as non-monogamous? Like what led up to that? I mean, I kind of, as soon as I saw, there's a couple, there's a few plot points from when I was in college that contributed to me identifying as non-monogamous even before I knew that that was a word. Um, it was more like I knew that I was not going to be monogamous and had trouble finding the prefix uh, for, to make, turn into a, a normal word. Um, I, when I was 18, I was dating this, um, this woman who uh, was long distance. She was at Tufts University. I was at NYU. So I was in Boston and New York. We traveled she's from the same hometown. Um, and I remember I was like, at a job on a break reading the paper and in the back of the New York post, there was like a small little square box news item. It must've been like a hundred, 150 words. Like it was small and it had the word polyamory in it. And it, it was in bold. It was, it was something about poly. Maybe it was a book or an event. I don't remember the story. I just remember there was this word polyamory. Yeah. And it was just the concept that like you could be in love with more than one person at the same time. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> huh. like that makes sense because if you can be in love with more than one person over the course of your life which i think most people will agree there are people who believe in one and only and i think there's others who just reasonably go yeah you can be you can be in love once and then you can be in love again okay uh why can't those times overlap so i was like that hmm, interesting word and it just sat in the back of my head somewhere totally forgot about it wasn't thinking about it but it was it was in there yeah. Um, right, right next to some weird childhood memory that I don't think about, you know, and, and then I, we saw this movie later on called definitely maybe fabulous film starring Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I highly recommend and a, and a just adorably young, uh, Abigail Breslin, great movie. And in it, there's basically three romantic interests. <clears throat> uh, Ryan is telling the story of how he met Abigail's mother and she doesn't know like which storyline is her mom. And we're kind of watching all these women come in and out and back into his life. And sometimes he's got, he's, he's clearly in love with at least two of these women at a time. Um, the, the, these times overlap. Maybe he's in love with them, all three of them all the time, the whole time. And maybe not, but it's clear that like, He's he's he doesn't stop loving one when he starts when he runs into this other one randomly. And then I thought about it and that poly word popped up from the back of my head. And then so we got in the cab to go back to her dorm room from the movie theater. And I was not proposing anything nominative. I was not proposing a relationship change at all. I just thought like, oh, that was really interesting. And this is what I noticed about the movie. Yeah. And my ex lost it. It was almost <laughs> We almost broke up in the cab. She's in full tears. Like she is, she, cause I think she thinks I am not in love with her anymore. Or she, I think she thinks I'm going to ask for a thing. We were, we didn't see, we didn't call it open. We just called ourselves. Uh, we were not exclusive yet. Like we weren't boyfriend, girlfriend. And that's why we could fool around with other people on our campuses. And then we got exclusive and put it, made a Facebook official <laughs> back in the day of Facebook official. Yeah. Yeah, so she lost it, and, and luckily by the end of the cab ride, like we were fine. But it was—I mean, that was scary. But again, in my head, I'm like, this is a concept. 
And uh, and then when I'm the summer before senior year of college, I'm single. I'm in a bar. I have a thousand dollars in my pocket because I'm eating lunch at a bar, watching the World Cup, and I'm planning to go up to a casino to you know self destruct because that's a thing I like to do. It's one of my hobbies. I like reading. I like working out and self destructing. Uh, you know, at a casino because I'm fiscally irresponsible. And 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 I meet these two women, older women, beautiful older women. And they start talking to me. I'm just I'm just eating my burger and my fries. And they start talking to me. And one of them goes to the bathroom. Her friend then says, and maybe she had a couple to drink, but she's like, so I have a secret for you. Her and her husband used to be swingers. And I was like, okay, cool. I listened to Dan Savage. Oh no, I uh, no, I was not listening to Dan Savage. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Uh, I, I saw that word on Craigslist here and there, and and they're both like 38 at the time. And the uh, woman comes back, and I was like, your friend just kind of threw you under the bus. And then we kind of legit talked about it. And I was asking questions because I'm 21 at the time, and um, it's, and this was the first. Now I've been on Craigslist and seen ads, and I met with a couple couples here and there for things, but I had never met just out about in the world someone quote unquote normal um who had done non-monogamy like ethical like ethical non-monogamy within a loving relationship or marriage yeah and that was really important and her name's jen she's she's since been on the podcast and that was a really important moment for me because i was like oh this is real and it's healthy and i'm not a weirdo for feeling this way about how love works so and, that was also another really important one. And those those three plot points really kind of helped form just like my comfortability in knowing that I probably don't want to be in a monogamous relationship. Yeah. Or back, I thought like, oh, you know, like I'll start with monogamous, but I want to only be with someone who could be not like open it up later, whatever it was. Um, and so those factors really played into like how I got to all of that. Um, and then I, I didn't quite know the language and the vocabulary and not being able to express it maturely and responsibly probably, um, made my dating life a little more difficult and mostly just in, in my early twenties. And mostly just because these, you know, I didn't know how to say this word right. that would have, you know, sounded safer and cleaner to a woman. <laughs> right. But that was definitely the start of it. So do you think that that encounter and having that opportunity to speak to people, you know, and get that firsthand information and have that conversation where like, you're just having this very open judgment free conversation about something that, you know, other people might be very uncomfortable with. Do you think that that was a big contributor to your own comfort level with speaking about sex so openly? Absolutely. I think when you realize you're not alone, it makes you a little braver and also more comfortable. It's something that my listeners tell me all the time that they're so grateful to hear someone say what's been in their head. Right. Or um, so I have like, you know, I have a Patreon and, and in my Patreon, like we have a secret Facebook group and they do a lot of sharing and talking and asking each other questions or sharing really fun sex positive memes or whatever. But but they love this group because they can connect with other like-minded people when they may not live in a part of the country that is as open-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I and I and I like to phrase it more this way because it's not that like you're alone in whatever city you're in. It's that you think you're alone because no one's talking about it. Yeah. 
Because I promise that you're you're not the only one who wants to have casual sex or do anal or play with some a member of the same sex or something like that. You're, like you you almost never are. It's it's just no one's. Everyone is too scared to say what it is they want because they don't want to seem like a pervert or weird or abnormal or or whatever. And if it just takes one person to put a like, you know, flash the slutty beacon or or even or like let's let's take it to high school. There's the the one kid who's just openly gay, right? Like just he's clearly gay. He's open about it. He's happy and proud about it. Get you know whatever his experience is, like he's open about it. That guy's gonna be the person that the closeted gay dudes will go to first to talk because like, well he's he's out, so it's safe to talk to him because he is one of me. Yeah. Um. Similarly, whether it's being sex positive or kinky or non-monogamous, like. You, somebody's got to be the brave one to put it up there, to put that rainbow sticker on your on your car in the fucking middle of uh, I don't know Mississippi, whatever. And then people will flock to you because they will realize that you're safe to talk to. And then a community can form. But if everyone stays in the closet, then no community can form, and uh, no one gets to like kind of relate back to each other. Well, you are describing very fully and absolutely the motivation I had for starting this, you know, I mean, it did start with an initial, you know, fascination with how sex sounded because of a particular encounter I had. But the bigger thing was, you know, if nobody is demonstrating this openness, other people will never feel inspired to embrace these same things about themselves. And I too, my the listeners that write me that that's what they say. Uh, they always comment about that, you know, like you've helped me, you know, not feel weird about what I'm into and, you know, to feel heard. And I have this identification and it's, it's moving to hear. So I'm glad you're having the same experience and that this is broadening. Um, so you did mention the King community. Do you feel like as a non-monogamous person, do you consider yourself to be a part of the King community or you feel like that's something more extreme? Uh, I'm I'm not a kinky person, so I would I would say uh, not. All right. And so I'm kind of surprised to hear you didn't have sex until you were 18. Is that does that have something to do with your upbringing, or just a matter of like being in in boarding school? Like, how was sex it's, first it's shown to you? We, I did not know how to talk to women. Okay. Women were not interested in me, or I didn't know when they were, or I had, I didn't have the confidence to approach anyone. Like it was it was simply like I was. I was bullied so much. Why? Like, I mean, yeah, it was, it was like, I was apparently on a red flag list in grade school after Columbine, not because I was violent, but they were because like, oh, like who gets shit on so bad they could shoot up a school. Oh yeah. That proceeded. <laughs> I mean, we should keep an eye on him. We could like try to help solve the problem and stop the bullying and actually punish the kids responsible for this. But it's easier if we just like keep an eye on this one kid. Like it was bad. Why and I did not know how to talk to anyone, let alone women. Uh, or at least women in a like flirty way. Right. So my experiences were just so minimal. That's that's just purely where it came from. And why were you bullied so much? There's no, I mean, there's rarely a rational reason for why shitty kids torment each other. Okay. What was your upbringing like as far as how sexuality was discussed around you or introduced? Like, how did you have the talk with your parents? Did you have the talk? What was it like? There was no talk. I mean, my dad came in when, like, I think maybe sophomore, junior year of high school, like, when I was home on break. Like, I think he came into my room and tried to have a talk. But, I mean, I was so embarrassingly inactive yeah. that it was like I didn't even want to have it. Because, like, this is – one, I know. I mean, also, he 
look, I know parents like want to be the ones to give the talk, but we don't teach anyone sex ed. So like parents don't have the proper information to give this talk. Yeah. Like maybe in 50 years, parents can start giving the talk, but we have to raise kids to become with, with the information so that they can become parents who have the information to give those talks. But he just sat down and it basically is amount. It was like 30 seconds of him sitting on my bed, trying to like somehow mumble out and I just, you know, <laughs> makes you use a condom. That's all. Okay. And that was about, about it. That was about it. And, and, and so there wasn't really much of a talk, but there also maybe wasn't as much of a need for a talk at the time. It wasn't a thing like shunned. It just wasn't a thing that existed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, yeah, like maybe masturbation was put down a little bit by my dad, but only in the context of that's, you're supposed to get a girl to do that for you. So what do you do? Stop. You don't fucking do that. Get a chick to do it for you. Cause he was a ladies man in high school. Yeah. So did you learn about sex from your sisters or the internet? What was your, what was your teacher? uh, Internet, common sense, uh, porn, but uh, not porn in the like, oh, I'm supposed to step on her head (laughs) while I fuck her without a condom and not touch her clit ever. Like I never watched that. That was not the type of pornography I was watching. But like some basic mechanics and trial and error. And I, I, it was weird having a consistent sex partner for a little over a year in the form of that, that ex-girlfriend, you know, trial and error. Um, I got to listen to her body. Like I knew to listen cause I gave a shit and it's this weird thing. Like when you try to pay attention to a woman's body, like her body will sometimes tell you what she needs or doesn't need. And also, you know, if she vocalizes and communicates uh, that helps as well. Yeah. So I just like learn by doing, I guess. That makes sense. So I also what, like hooked up with like older women in college because I was here in New York City. So like when you're hooking up with older women, they tend to have less patience <laughs> for bullshit, especially when you're like 12, like I was. <laughs> so you know, like if if I was pinching, like if I was pinching nipples too hard, they told me I wasn't dealing with a, a, a nervous 19 year fellow 19 year old. I was dealing with a woman who said like, no, 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 you're gonna stay down longer or softer on my clit yeah. or you know curl your fingers up whatever it was so what kind of porn were you watching in those early days in the earliest days i i mean yes you watch some porn whatever napster let me download but i'll be honest i used to love reading porn like <laughs> literatica.com loved it <laughs> the site, it was all hypnotism stories mind yeah. control stories <laughs> Is mc-stories.com. I don't even know if it's still up and active, but um, yeah, I used to really like reading them. Also, because I went to a boarding school where you couldn't have porn, and I interpreted that as I couldn't like have naughty pictures or videos. Right. However, I could print some stories and hide them under my mattress, and no one's the wiser because it's just words. <laughs> Very clever. So, what kind of porn are you watching these days? It depends. Um, you know, I don't want to be gross and plug my own sponsor, but like I do try to like mix in some paid for porn. Um, and I love Reddit. I do like reading Reddit um, stories and Reddit's a fun place for porn if I want to like go like category by category. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I just I frequently move around different subreddits, whether it's like public sex subreddits or, you know, um Gone wild at work is fun, um, <laughs> or like our chubby, our curvy, our thick, or 
I don't know what it is about women in volleyball, you know, outfits. Uh, volleyball is just a hot <laughs> yes, uniform. Uh, is um, yeah, I just kind of pop around. It just depends what I'm feeling that day. There's definitely a variety. If I gave you like the last twenty things I watched, like they would probably be very different. Hmm. So you talked about yeah the your chubby thing. Well, I mean as a porn subreddit. So, and I, I do know from following you on Instagram, you've, you know, you talk about your weight loss journey and I've heard some of your stand up and talking about being on Weight Watchers. Are, do you still struggle with that? Or are you still, do you feel like you're still on a weight loss journey? Like, what are your thoughts about your own body at this point? Oh, how much time you got? <laughs> uh, I, it is always a work in progress when you um, struggle with disordered eating, body dysphoria, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I... I just lost a bunch of weight over the last like five, six weeks. Very happy with that. But more importantly, it's like I, I currently identify as cute. <laughs> that has been so difficult. Um, like learning how to feel cute at different sizes. Yeah. At 200 pounds, I know that I'm cute. Like I'm like, okay, cool. I'm always like, hey, I can lose like another 10, but like, I'm a good looking dude. Whereas in at like 220, it's a very different type of cue. Well, can I get my arms to be strong? Can I find the strength there where I'm just generally starting to feel more attractive. Um, and, and that's like, I'm not at a weight I love, but I'm a weight I can feel attractive at. And, um, just like learning how to be cool with it. it it's definitely difficult. And, you know, I'm right now learning more how to treat my body better. Mm-hmm. So like, not stuffing it all the time with junk food. Uh, I don't eat healthy food, but it's more about just not stuffing myself with the with the unhealthy food or like exercising again. It, it finally got warm here in New York City, so like I got back into running and, and doing um, a lot of body training stuff. And so yeah, like I'm, I'm getting there. It's it's hard. It's not easy, and it's also not easy when you're a dude. It's not easy when you're anyone. But I think that when it's not easy for women and not easy for men. And I think it's not easy for different reasons. Um, like there's no body positive movement for dudes. Like we don't have a dove campaign, you know, which is a bunch of beautiful chubby dudes of different sizes, shirtless or, you know, whatever, putting on deodorant. We don't really have that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just working on it. It's hard. Well, you did say you'd feel it's different and I agree with you, but for you, like, how do you, what is it like for a man? Like, what is your opinion on what makes it different? What is your experience like? That my, uh, my body image issues are invalidated because mm-hmm. someone will say, yeah, but women have the beauty myth. Men have the beauty myth too. We all are living up to some kind of dumb beauty myth. They're just different myths. And guys, I have maybe a few extra outs because if we're not living up to that beauty myth, we can be funny. Yeah. Or we can be rich, right? Like those are the things we, we're like, quote unquote, like a hot chick is quote unquote allowed to be with a dude who's not as hot as her if he's super funny or if he's rich. That's right. usually like kind of the thing. So we just have different beauty myths, but like I still got one. I'm not seeing myself represented all the time or, and maybe this is more accurate now, um, is I don't see who I feel like I look like because I definitely look I feel heavier and I feel more, I feel heavier than I actually am. And I recognize that, but that's part of like an eating disorder is like, it's a mental thing um, with eating symptoms. 
so like I yeah like I don't I feel like if I talk about it like someone's gonna try to tell me that like well it's not as bad as this or um, well you should just feel fine that or like hey ma- don't forget about male privilege I'm like yeah I got male privilege but this isn't part of it like yeah. um, so I, I think the invalidation is definitely part of it or someone not taking me seriously I I went to go get weighed in at a doctor's appointment last year and the nurse um, you know I I try to I like to stand uh, backwards and I ask. I asked this particular nurse, I ask every nurse, but this particular nurse, I said like, Hey, um, please just don't say the number out loud. Hmm. And she fucking giggled uh. because then she wouldn't do that. If it was a 110 pound blonde Becky, right. Or if it was a 200 pound blonde Becky, she wouldn't fucking giggle if she asked not to hear the weight, but a dude who looks like a girl, manly man. Um, I wish I didn't look like that, but, um, you know, it, it's like, oh, that's silly because that's unexpected. I'm not expecting for the guy to have a body image issue, yeah. even though if you look up the statistics on how like high school boys um, handle their their weight, um, it's it's not great either. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's not fun. Or just even like, you know, a couple like um, a few weeks ago, I went for a doctor's appointment and I told the nurse like, hey, uh, just please don't say the number out loud. And she said, I'll try. And I said, no, please don't. Because <laughs> like. it's going to cause an issue if I hear it. Yeah. How does it factor into your dating and sex life though? I mean, does it, does it affect how confident you feel approaching people? Is it something that maybe only comes into play when you're actually like on the brink of having sex with somebody? Does it not come into play? Um, well, generally speaking, um, thank God I'm funny because I can't not share how shitty I feel about my body, but I can share it in a funny enough way that she'll overlook it. Um, not the body, but how I'm speaking about it. Cause I don't know. I had one guest on the show once say that's not very sexy when I spend the first date talking about my weight launcher points, you know, <laughs> not a big turn on. Uh, I did have, you know, with the weight gain, I, I got to the heaviest weight I've ever been in my life. Kind of out of nowhere, pseudo snuck up on me. And my libido went in the tank, even sort of before I like officially weighed myself, like just my body felt gross. I, I always felt full. It was stuff with bad shit that doesn't make me want to fuck. Um, it makes me want to like eat more and just lay down. And I was, I started seeing someone in January and I, in like April, I had to tell her like, look, one, she wanted a more serious relationship than I could have offered her. And that had nothing to do with libido. but. We weren't fucking, I couldn't, I didn't have the time or bandwidth to like give her a romantic relationship. She very clearly wanted something more serious and we weren't fucking. So it was like, what are we, we we would literally just like kind of hang out and lay in bed naked, not doing much. And, and this may sound callous, but it's like, I don't really have a lot of time for that. Cause I'm thinking like, okay, what am I doing? Cause I'm spending multiple times a week with a chick who I like, but I don't know if I want more. I'm not fucking her. And I also don't know if I'm not fucking her because I don't want to fuck her or if I'm just, I don't want to fuck anyone. So I actually had to call that one off and say, look, I just, this is just not a good time for me right now for a bunch of reasons. It tanked my libido. I was not seeking out new partners. Uh, it, it, it was a rough time. And not for nothing, like four days into my diet, which involved not eating carbs most of the time. Yeah. Four days in, I was like, Oh, who can I fuck? I'm horny. This is awesome. 
Because so, it, it got to the point where, like, this chick, like, at one point, she, like, we were like, this, this one scene just always plays in my head where we're in bed, we're naked, my dick is rock hard, and she's holding it, wanting to fuck me. And I'm looking down at my dick in her hand hard, and I think to myself, I don't really want to do anything with that. Hmm. Like, I just don't want, she's like, it's okay, I like lazy sex, but I'm like, yeah, but I almost don't even, like, want to have that. And that's, it was, um, it was not great. And you but see- generally speaking, the, the body image issues, like, yeah, they play a role in maybe um, me understanding someone's interest level. But I'm also, like I said, now that I, I'm, I newly identify as cute, I am uh, possibly willing to take a few more risks than I used to. Like, I'm not the type of guy to go to a bar and start hitting on women. Like, not for me. I don't like hitting on people who I don't think are interested. Yeah. So it's a weird thing that I don't like to fuck people who don't want to fuck me. It's a strange kink I know, but I like. Uh, I have a thing to steal from that movie, definitely, maybe. I have a thing for people who have a thing for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, like, uh, I'm I'm going for it. I went to a play party last month by myself, and, like, I shook so many hands and introduced myself, and I even, like, made forward advances that I almost never make. And sometimes, like, it was kindly just passed over, which is my sign to be like, okay, person's not interested and still wants to just chat. That's fine. Um, Sometimes it was like, yes, I would like you to eat my pussy. And other times it was like, uh, yeah, like maybe later or something. Um, And and that was uh, that was also a good experience. Yeah, that sounds Pretty standard, like a rate of acceptance, though. Um, So with the body image, do you search porn with men that um, resemble your own body type? Is that something you think about when you look at porn? No, I'm usually a little bit more focused on the woman. (laughs) Do you ever get put off by the physique of the man in the porn you're watching, though? Like 0.5% of the time. And, and it's usually for some, it's usually just more like, cause my comedian brain turned on and I was like, you know, what? I'd rather like make a joke about this than be, you know, than be turned on for this moment. So the chubby subreddit that you were talking about, is that for chubby women or like bo- all the yeah, yeah, participants yeah, are chubby? Just one of them. Yeah, no, chubby dudes have like their own subreddit, I believe. Um, no, it's r slash chubby is like, yeah, it's, and, the, and they're self-submitted. That's what I like about Reddit is I like the ones that are like more self-submitted for the most part. Um, subs, because then like, oh, I'm seeing real women, real happy women, real happy women who are feeling sexy. And then that's, the reality is is more fun for me. Yeah. Have you ever submitted your own porn to any of these places? Uh, I mean, like nudes to that. I mean, because I wouldn't necessarily call it like porn porn, but uh, no, um, I have been in a porn, but... Like not submitting like full body shit. I do give nudes to my like to my patrons. Yeah. Um, because I might be one of the only male comedians who like has figured out a way to monetize his own nudity. Because uh, I got listeners of both genders who want to see me naked. I think they're wrong. By the way, <laughs> I think there's better options. But if that's what they want, you gotta give people what they want. Yeah. So like sometimes I put certain nudes on Patreon, and then I also have like a um. Like a at ten dollars a month, we have a kick group 
Yeah. We're, all we do is share nudes, gifts, and compliments. So like, yeah, every once in a while I'll, I'll share something fun or a cock shot or um, yesterday I, put, I shared a, like a full body nude that a lover of mine took um, in the morning and, uh, and they like that. So not publicly, but like I do have my, my places where I take my dick out. You mentioned that you were in a porn though. So can you tell me more about that? <laughs> sure. Uh, I was in Team BJ2. Probably the only sequel that was better than the original in my opinion. But uh, yeah, it was this woman, Sarah J and Siri, who is now retired. Um, they did a thing where they were like, oh, we're going to blow. If, um, if Team Germany wins the World Cup, it was 2014. <clears throat> they were like, if Team Germany wins the World Cup, we'll blow all our Twitter followers. <laughs> and I got a, like, new, I saw it, like, on Twitter the morning of uh, the, the final match because the um, Germany was in the finals. Yeah. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I just started the podcast a few months prior, and I, and I thought, oh, maybe that's a cool person to talk to. I hit up her handler and said, hey, I do this podcast. It's great. It's brand new. But like I promise, it's probably great. Which, by the way, like back then, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> and I reached out. I love that Sarah J on next time she's in New York or something. And the handler was like, yeah, that sounds good. And then Germany won. So I emailed back saying, well, I mean, it also <laughs> looks like I'm doing Team BJ. Uh, also, by the way, I had no idea who either of these porn stars were at the time. Yeah. Um, so one thing leads to another, we're arranging, they released the details about team BJ and, you know, we had to fly ourselves to Las Vegas, uh, be willing to be on camera and also be willing to pay for our own talent testing, you know, which is, which ain't cheap. It's like $250. Cause you can't just like go get tested. You have to get that, like the same type of talent testing that, that adult entertainers get. Right. Uh, so I went out and did all that. And then the whole plan was like, Oh, I'll do the porno and then the next day Sarah J did the podcast and so I got a blowjob from this woman Siri and it was delightful and your face is in it I I think oh god this is embarrassing they did like these interviews in the beginning and I was 25 years old and thought I was super funny and they were not looking for like funny shtick stuff so I'm actually, I don't even want to go look at what that opening interview thing was. So have you never watched the porn? I have. I just skipped over that part. I was like, I do not. As soon as I got like off the stool from doing my like interview thing, I was like, that was not good. That was not a good take. Uh, but you but, watched uh, yourself getting a blowjob. Did you watch that part of it? Yeah, I've watched that a couple times since then. I've had actually other people ask to see it. So sometimes I'll like put it in the DVD player and then like, <laughs> Be like, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. Like, you enjoy that. I don't. I don't need to see that again. I know how it ends. <laughs> so, with all of the things that you've done so far, and all of the openness that you have about sex, is there anything left that you haven't tried that you're curious about that you're looking forward to? What's left for you? Uh, I mean, you know, I do save pegging for someone special. So one day. Yeah. Is that it? Um. And then, you know, I would, I would love to have some kind of like multi-woman, just me thing. Um, not necessarily a thing like, yeah, let me just fuck a bunch of different chicks. I'd like to just have some kind of experience where I'm getting a lot of attention from several red, more than two attractive women and just me. It can be like a stranger play thing where maybe I'm blindfolded. It could be, there's a lot of different 
ways that it could be enacted, but I think that would be really fun uh, and and satisfying, like validating in the sense of just like, oh, like beautiful, like, I don't know. It, it's more than just wanting to like be with a bunch of chicks because I know what it sounds like, but it's, it's not, it's a, it's just a pinch deeper than that. Yeah. Mostly it's the, mostly the pegging and I mostly, uh, I'm saving like butt stuff is fine. I just like the act of like strapping it on and fucking me and thrusting and like grabbing my hips. Like that's just a little bit more intimate. Yeah. So the first time I do it, I like it to be with someone that I'm very, um, that I feel safe and in love with and blah, blah. Um, both my last, my, my last two ex girlfriends, like they both could have been that person, but just never, you know, worked out. So how much butt stuff have you done? Like as, as far as you being the receiver, I mean, how do we measure it? <laughs> well, what do you what do you feel like is the furthest that you've gone, or the biggest thing that you've had in your ass? Uh biggest thing. I mean, I have a butt plug that's like pretty. I my one of my exes bought me like a set of three those like jewel end steel butt plugs. Yeah. Love them. <laughs> uh, I can't find the medium sized one. It makes me so sad because that was my go to one. The small one is basically useless and i get worried i'm gonna suck it in and then the big one is just like it's just a little too big like it takes a lot of work and i don't always get it in like the medium one really was my goldilocks just right and i can't find it i'm sad if anyone wants to buy me some new butt plugs email me i'll I'll send you pictures if you want um uh probably the big butt plug or the motor bunny Mm. sometimes i'll ride that um Motor Bunny, of course, is like a, it's a straddle style vibrator. Yeah. It's basically like an off-brand Sibian, a more affordable Sibian. <laughs> They're a long-time sponsor. They sent me like two of them. They're dope. But uh, it's like a whole thing to set up. I don't usually last long when I start with it. So it's like I got to really want to take that out and, and have an experience with it. But that one's also fun. And is that something you use when you're masturbating or when you're with a partner? Either or I both. I mean, it's I mean more. It's more so with the by myself because when I'm with a partner, unless we're planning to use it, yeah, it's kind of a thing to be like, oh my god, hot and heavy, doing these things. Then it's like, the oh, I get it out. Let me go. Let me yeah. go into the closet, get it out of the fresh direct bag, <laughs> set it up, plug it in, get the right attachment <laughs> on, lube it up. Like it's more. It's more. I have other toys for my ass that are just quicker and easier that are like similar size. Uh, that one, it's more like, hey, we're going to set this up and we're going to have a motor bunny night. Yeah, and take some planning. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate all of the things that you've shared so far. Is there anything you want to share as far as, you know, you did mention some of the upcoming events you have, but is there anything else you want to plug? Or? Yes, just come like find my show. It's called the Man Whore Podcast. That's Man Whore, one word. You just type Man Whore in any podcast player. I pop right up. Uh, you can also follow me on social media. I'm on in, on Twitter at the Billy Persida, and I'm on Instagram at Billy is Persida because uh, some asshole <laughs> is squatting on at Billy Persida. That's Persida P R O C I D A. Great. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, thank and I I'll, I'll reach out when your episode goes live. Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks so much for chatting with me. No problem. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. So as promised, here I am to share some details about how this conversation inspired a new project for graphic paint. Um, And that project is a photo series exploring uh, 
male bodies specifically for the purpose of promoting male body positivity. I was really moved by uh, Billy's openness and his vulnerability when sharing about his own struggles with body image and weight, and specifically that experience he described in the doctor's office asking the nurse not to say his weight out loud and her responding with a giggle. Um, that, that sounds like a really awful experience and I can relate to it. Um, I have not had that exact experience, but I certainly struggle with my own weight issues and body image and self-acceptance and those things, you know, feed into life and dating and sex and all this stuff. Um, so yeah, I was really moved by, by the conversation and him sharing that. And also the point he made, uh, that it's almost trendy now for products and companies to push female body positivity, but we don't see that so much for men. Um, and that's really not fair. So it just seemed like an opportunity. Um, and you know, I enjoy male bodies. I, you know, I'm looking for any excuse to create new content for the site. And it just seemed like, like the perfect subject. So, um, I'm beginning with a growers versus shower series. Um, I've already begun shooting for it. I'm shooting locally in New York city. And, um, the reason is, you know, kind of to, to carve out a section of this body positivity push, um, but make it sexual and really, you know, take an opportunity to look at the whole spectrum of bodies and the whole spectrum of dick sizes, um, and just showcase them and feature them without judgment. Um, I am saying this as a, an admitted size queen, but you know, I don't, I don't judge people based on their size. It's merely a preference, but you know, nobody's better or worse for their body size or type or, um, characteristics. So this is really just a means of having an opportunity to explore all all of the differences, all of the many shades and sizes and textures and <laughs> all the things. Um, so if you're interested in participating and you are local, um, that would be the easiest thing right now. But I, I have had a number of people reach out about participating in this who happen to live in different states. And I'm totally open to that. I just happen to be still in the process of working out uh, the details of how to make that work, because I, I would like for there to be some thread of consistency throughout this project. Um, but if you're interested, feel free to email me. You can always send me a message at sex at graphicpaint.com and just let me know where you are, um, if you have any questions, and we can work out all the details from there. Um, so that's about it for today. The next episode will be Monday's quickie episode, and there have been quite a number of interesting things going on this past week, so I have some fun stuff to share. But until then, be well. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Did you dig it? Tell a friend. Subscribe. Leave a review on iTunes. Send an email. I really would love for you to do all of these things. And if you'd like to know more about this project, visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for additional episodes and background on how this all began. And if you'd like to be a part of this podcast, send an email to sex at graphicpaint.com. Every story and experience is valuable, so why not do an interview or submit your own filthy audio? Be a part of our revolution and help us spread the message of sexy self-acceptance.